1993, there was a movie that came out. It's called Groundhog Day. Uh, probably many of you have seen it, although don't admit it, maybe. Um, and it starred Bill Murray and Annie McDowell. Those were the two main co-stars. And it's a story of a man who has to live uh, the same day over and over and over and over again until he can finally get it right. Spoiler alert, just in case you haven't seen it, he gets it right. That's the movie. The movie is one of the most beloved comedies of the last 40 years. In fact, it's referred to online by some as a classic, and it's even earned, which I guess is a big deal, it earned a spot on the Library of Congress's National Film Registry in 2006. But why is this movie so popular? Stephen Tobolowsky, who plays the role of the annoying businessman Ned Ryerson, believes the film is about the human condition that makes us laugh while also telling us a story, a very profound story about ourselves. One of the stars, Annie McDowell, believes the movie is so popular because she said all of us would like to live a day over again. All of us would like to live a day over again. Is that true for you? Is there, is there a day, is there a, is there a time period of lo- your life, is there a section of your life that you'd like a do-over, that you'd like to have a fresh start, to, to begin again? I know there are many days in my life that I feel that way. The scriptures immediately following the flood uh, story seem to be at some level a groundhog day. They seem to be at some level a groundhog day. Turn your Bibles with me to the book of Genesis chapter nine. Genesis chapter nine and we will see this. At the beginning of Genesis chapter nine, we have a parallel to the sixth day of creation. Now let me ask you, what happened on the sixth day of creation that is significant to everyone in this room? What was it? Humans were created, right? Humans were created. Hopefully that's significant to each and every one of you. You understand why that's important. On the sixth day of creation, we were created. And so there is this parallel at the end of the flood story in Genesis chapter nine that parallels the sixth day of creation. So maybe this parallel is something that should matter to us. Let me read the two texts. Still got some grip there. Let me read the two texts and then point out the parallels. First, Genesis chapter nine, beginning verse one. And Marilyn, thank you for reading through the story. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hand they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I shall give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life. That is the blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. For your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it, and from man. From this fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of another man. Verse six, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Then verse seven, and you be fruitful and multiply. Team on the earth and multiply in it. Now listen to the sixth day of creation back in Genesis chapter one and verse 27. In Genesis chapter one and verse 27, the scripture reads, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And behold, and God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and morning the sixth day. So it is not an exact parallel, but by biblical standards, the sixth day of creation and the day the folk walked out of the ark seems to be a groundhog day. What do I mean by that? Well, the things that God says to, to, to uh, Noah and his sons and their wives and, and Noah's wife, and the thing God said to Adam and Eve there on the sixth day of creation are very similar. In chapter nine and verse one, God blesses Noah and his family. God blessed Adam and Eve, chapter one and verse 28. Be fruitful and multiply as a command to Noah and his sons. Be fruitful and multiply as a command to Adam and Eve. Fear and dread on every beast is, is stated as, as, as the authority that the people shall have over the animals. And in Genesis chapter one and verse 28, the Bible says you shall have dominion over all the animals. God gives them their design, their designated uh, food, their designated sustenance, animals for food as the plants was for your food. And of course, in Genesis one, plants given for food. The value of life is, is spoken of here. The value of life is spoken of in the Noah story, chapter nine, verses three and four. And the value of life, the breath of life given to man is spoken of in the Genesis story, chapter one and verse 30. Man is made in the image of God, chapter nine and verse six. And of course, man is made in the image of God, chapter one, verses 26 and 27. Now this may not seem like a very big deal, but when I read it, when I was studying it this week, I was struck by something. I was struck by something. I realized that, that God gives in very similar language the exact same speech to these sinful people post-flood that he gave to the people when they were perfect in the Garden of Eden. Let me maybe illustrate this point better with an extreme illustration, an extreme illustration that I share with you. There were parents that were animal lovers. They weren't dog or cat people, they were both and, dog and cat people. And they had a number of dogs and a, and a number of cats. And they also had some children that they loved very, very much with all their hearts. And they told their kids, they told their kids, these animals we love so much are completely under your care. We trust you. We trust you. Here are some guidelines, but how you raise the animals ultimately is up to your choice and your free will. The kids begin to raise the animals, and as the parents watch, they see, they see things going on and they see things going terribly awry, things getting off track. The animals, due to the choices of these children, due to their neglect of the animals, due to their abuse of the animals, both verbal and physical, due to the lack of food that they give the, the, the animals, these animals are becoming unmanageable, completely unmanageable. Every time the dogs dig under the fence or every time they, they jump over the fence, they, they maul somebody, they go after somebody. When they are not out attacking people, they are either mating and multiplying or trying to destroy one another. 
The cats aren't any better. We're kind of cat people in our house. But the cats aren't any better. They're not just sitting there looking cute and cleaning themselves. No, they, they, are, they are terrors as cats. They are, they are the most scary cats that you can imagine. Much like my friend Lisa's cat when we were in high school. When you go to Lisa's house, the first time I went there, I remember Lisa saying, if my cat is sitting on the edge of the couch, make sure you take a wide berth. And I said, why? She said, because if you don't, it will leap upon you and attack you. That is how these cats are. It's like they plot together. They sit on the limbs of, of the tree branches and as people walk under, as passerbys come by, they leap down upon their heads and claw up people and their faces. Every night the parents hear the squeal of, of cats fighting. Have you heard those squeals? You, you know those squeals when a cat is, is in distress? That I, I hear it sometimes around my house and I have to go check on my cat because I know my cat's innocent. It's probably the bad neighbor cats. But these cats were terrors and the dogs were terror and all this because the children of their own free will didn't follow the principles that the parents had set out for them. And even as the animals got worse and worse, the kids don't seem to do anything about it. In fact, they seem to perpetuate the problem. And before long, it becomes evident that the animals are going to destroy each other and maybe all those that pass by in the process and they must be put to sleep. And so with great sadness, the parents allow the pets they love in spite of their heinous ways to be put to sleep. And after a short time, let's say 40 days and 40 nights just for the sake of the story, after the short time and the cleaning up of the animals another close to a year, the parents decide to get some more kittens and puppies. And they get some brand new kittens and puppies and they go to their kids and they say to their kids, they give them this speech. These animals we love so much are completely under your care. We trust you. Here are some basic guidelines, but how you raise the animals is up to you. It's your choice and your free will. It's your choice and your free will. The same speech as they gave before. Is this sheer stupidity or is it grace? When I said sheer stupidity, a couple of you nodded. It's sheer stupidity. We think to ourselves, man, what parents would allow their kids to, to what, what parents would, would give the same speech and allow their kids to go on the same course even though they've already proved themselves to be failures? Are the parents stupid or do they understand something? Do they understand the power of a parent believing in the child? You see, we would think in our modern context that these parents are just beyond foolish. They're naive, they're ridiculous, they're spoiling their children, and yet that is the picture I see after the flood. I see a God who, who gives a, a similar speech, who gives dominion, who gives authority, who gives free will to his children again, even though everything just was destroyed because of their choices. God wasn't naive. He knew the people weren't perfect anymore. He knew that, that Noah and his wife weren't perfect. If you wanna understand that, just keep reading the story. He knew that Shem, Ham, and Japheth weren't perfect. If you wanna understand that, keep reading their history and, and the results of these families. 
He knew that their wives weren't perfect and, and that they were marred by sin. Their hearts were, were still inclined to drift toward wrong. In fact, Genesis chapter 8 and verse 21, God says, said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man for the intention, even though the intention of man's heart is evil, even from his youth, or as Marilyn said, even from his or her childhood. The intention of humanity's heart is evil from their youth. But God says, even though that's the case, I'm going to start again. It's a groundhog day for humanity. What I spoke over them in the garden, the freedom I gave them in the garden, the trust I gave them in the garden, the love I gave them in the garden, the authority I gave them in the garden, I'm going to speak that over them again, even though I know that their hearts are wicked. Do we see how amazing that is we would look at it in our modern context because we've done this we've entrusted our kids in some maybe facet they mess up and we say you know what I'll just take care of it from here on out has anyone ever done that besides me I'll just deal with it from now on I'm 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 good thank you for trying I got it from here I mean that that would be us post flood okay here's my earth again it's gonna it's okay I got rid of pretty much all the bad I'm gonna take it from here I've got it you just sit there and be quiet and twiddle your thumbs and say nothing, right? That, that's smart parenting to us. Yet God is a God of grace and, and he believes in us in spite of ourselves. It's a groundhog day for humanity. What I spoke over them in the garden when they were perfect, I will speak over them once again, even though they are now not perfect. Do you want to do over in your life? Do you, do you want a fresh start in some area of your life? Is it possible? Is it possible in Jesus? Do we want that? You know, the, the, the Bible tells us that, that if we want a fresh start in Jesus, all we have to do is ask. That we simply say, Jesus, make my heart clean. Make my heart new. Forgive me. Now, now this is hard for us. We, we like to figure out some other formula. Well, I gotta do A, B, C, and D. But right here, sitting right here, right now, if you came in here and there's any part of you that said, you know what, I feel like, like, man, my life is just going in the wrong direction. I feel like there's no way God can, can accept me. I feel like, like I've made this mistake and this mistake and that mistake, and, and it's just pointless to go on. Did you know right now in this room, you can simply say, God, give me a new heart, and God will give you a new heart. I know, again, that's a little bit nervous for us. Of course, we'd be in good company with David. David in Psalm 51, what he wrote when he realized his sin have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. It's real. God can do it in a moment. We sometimes would think parents that let their kids start completely fresh are dumb. We'd accuse them of being parents, bad parents, but it is biblical. In fact, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a what? A new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Why? Because of something they did? Because, because they're deserving of it? Because suddenly every inclination of their heart is good? Did you know even when you're a new creation, do you know what the inclination of your heart is still to drift towards? Not good, just for the record in case you didn't know that. It's not good. And yet God says, you are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A fresh start because we have a parent, because we have a savior that's better than us, that believes in not who you are, 
but in who you can be. And so he speaks over us as if we were still perfect in the garden. He gives us a groundhog day, a new and a fresh start. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about that, it compels me to want to respond in some way. I can just hear that and say, oh, that's great, that feels great, and then go on my way. But, but I think the reason why over and over again God reminds us of how he, he, he feels about us, why in Zephaniah verse two, uh, chapter two and verse 17 it says he rejoices over us with singing, why there's so many scriptures like this of just God's love and God's affirmation. The reason why these are in scripture is because God wants it to do something in our hearts that, that causes us to respond in some way. Well, I believe the command that God gives in Genesis chapter nine is very clear of how God hopes that we will respond because of this Groundhog Day, because of this fresh start. You see, three times in Genesis chapter nine, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Three different times he says, be fruitful and multiply. Here, you're getting a fresh start. You have a Groundhog Day. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. Repetition is important in Scripture. It's a good thing to look for and and to pay attention to. Of course, our logic tells us in this moment, well, there was only eight people there. What God was speaking of was simply procreation of humanity. But everything I read in the context of this statement and similar ones throughout the Bible and all the commentaries I read say that God is speaking about more than just procreation here. In fact, by the fact that he speaks of being made in the image of God, what God is speaking about is recreating disciples in the image of God, recreating humanity in the image of God. When Adam and Eve were told to to be fruitful and multiply, it wasn't simply about them being intimate and and having children, but, but rather it was about God saying to them, make more people in the image of God. In other words, the command to be fruitful and multiply isn't just a command for those who are able to have children. The command to be fruitful and multiply is for all humanity, for all of us, to continue to help reproduce disciples in the image of God. You have a fresh start. You have a brand new day. It's a new Groundhog Day. You get a do-over. Praise Jesus. What are you going to do with that? Be fruitful and multiply. Help someone else to have that new day. As Bill Knott wrote in his little text that he sends out, Uh, on Sabbath mornings to some of us, and he sent out this text, and he says, grace begins with us, but it is for the purpose of going through us and multiplying. It begins with us, but it's for the purpose of going through us and multiplying. God is saying here to us in 2017, he's not saying just go and have a bunch more babies. He's saying to the older people that can have no more babies, to the younger people who have not been able to have babies, to the, to the single person, to the teenager, to the children, he's saying to every one of us, be fruitful and multiply. Go and help others to experience the Groundhog Day, the new day, the new birth, the fresh start that you have had in me. Reproduce disciples in the image of God. Be a new creation through Jesus. And so today, I'm asking you, if God has given you a second chance, maybe you even felt that second chance today, maybe you felt it yesterday, maybe you felt it 20 years ago. If God has given you a second chance, then will you be fruitful and multiply? 
so that others can experience that second chance as well. Now, I could say that and you could walk out of here and say, okay, I'm gonna be fruitful, multiply, whatever that means, I don't know. Let me give you something very practical that you can take with you, something that, that maybe you can take with you that you can apply to your life, even maybe before you leave this church today, that can help you to be fruitful and multiply, to help others have groundhog days just as you have had the opportunity for a fresh start. Be fruitful and multiply. Well, something we know about being fruitful and multiplying uh, in, a, in a family section, that it takes more than one person, right? We all understand that. No one needs an anatomy and physiology lesson. You know, in order to have Dayton, Landon, and Levi, it took both Christina and I. It took more than one person. Well, I believe just as physical procreation takes more than one person, I believe the best type of spiritual multiplication happens best in community also. It happens best in community also. Jesus could have come down here by himself, said, I'm gonna hang out here by myself. I'm not gonna be distracted by any people, and I'm just gonna speak. I'm gonna witness. I'm gonna share. I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna gonna say everything I need to say, and then I'm gonna go home, and a bunch of people are gonna believe in me because of what I've done. But no, Jesus didn't do it that way. He said, okay, I'm gonna gather a community around me, and I'm gonna build up this community. It takes multiples often to add to a physical family. I believe it takes community, it takes multiples as well to add to the family of God. Think about it, Jesus' model, right? He sends out the 12, and how does he send out the 12? What's the numbers? Two by two, right? He doesn't say all of you, look, we can reach more places if we send out each of you one by one. No, we're gonna send you out two by two. And then he sends out the 70 or the 72, according to Luke chapter 10 and verse one, depends on which version of the Bible you are reading. There's some debate about the Greek there. But whether it's 70 or 72, Jesus sends them out. And how does he send them out? What? How many? Two by two, right? He sends them out two by two. Again, with the idea that, that, that well, couldn't he reach more towns if he sent them out one by one? I mean, 70 versus 35 seems seems so much bigger. And yet, yet seems like God understands something that we need to understand, that multiplication happens best in community. Happens best in community. So God calls us to be fruitful and multiply. This happens best when we are in community. Multiplication happens best when, when we are healthy. We understand this physically. If there's something that, that, that is going on that prevents someone from, from having children, we, we would refer to that as a health problem, some health issue. In the same way, in the same way, we will multiply better if we are spiritually healthy. We agree with this, right? If we are spiritually healthy, we will multiply better. We can't give to someone else what is not already in us. There was a study done years ago. Thousands upon thousands of Christians were surveyed and, and interviewed and, and studied over, it was a longitudinal study and they were studied over time and spiritual leaders were surveyed and asked questions and, and they came up in this study, I believe it was by Lifeway or Zonervan, one of these, they came up in this, in this study with eight markers of what they would define as a healthy disciple of Jesus. Eight markers, Bible engagement, obeying God, denying self, serving God and others, sharing Christ, exercising faith, seeking God, building transparencies, uh, relationships and being transparent with their spouse, being transparent with others as well. And, and these were eight characteristics that they found that, that, that they kind of said, this represents someone who is a maturing and healthy disciple. And they found that, 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 that there were levers that helped produce all these results. In other words, there was things that people could do in their walk with Jesus that would help grow these people in these specific areas. And do you know what the number one thing that they found that impacted all eight of these 
uh, these areas universally. The thing that they found that impacted all eight of these things more than any other issue, they found that the people who spent time daily in the Bible represented these characteristics the greatest. Oh, go figure. That if we read the Bible, we will grow in our maturity with Jesus if we study the Bible. Multiplication happens best in community. Multiplication happens best when we are healthy. We are most healthy spiritually when we are regularly reading and studying our Bibles. Read Psalm 119 to understand this. Go home today, or if you're gonna go outside and enjoy the the heat and the humidity, uh, if you're gonna do that, whatever you're gonna do, take a Bible with you and read Psalm 119 if you wanna see how much it can be a blessing to study the word of God. How, how, how deeply it can impact you in every area of your life. Psalm 119 is all about the word of God. And of course, multiplication happens when we actually share Jesus. Sharing Jesus was one in the list of the eight that I read. And the lever, after the study of the Bible, the thing that most impacted the characteristic of a disciple that shared Jesus, and this was interesting to me. When I, when I learned this, I didn't know this. It was surprising to me. But in this exhaustive study, they found that people that shared Jesus the most with others were people that weakly confessed and were accountable to someone else in their life, to another human being in their life. In other words, people that, that, were, that were in community to the point where they were uh, uh, confessing their sins one to another, as the Bible tells us to do, that were, they were asking for accountability in the, their life, these people were more likely to share Jesus with others. Well, why do we think that is? It should be obvious, I think, to us. There is something about the reality of when we are reminded regularly of how awesome Jesus is and how his mercies are new every morning, when we're reminded regularly that, that, that though I may be growing in Christ, I still have a long way to go, There is something in us that compels us to share the wonder and the love of Jesus. I remember when when I first accepted Jesus, I was so obnoxious. I mean, I could not believe that Jesus liked someone like me. I mean, my pants hung below my bottom and and I was shunned at church and I had crazy white hair that spiked up all over the place and I, and I, and I, and I, you know, I smoked and I did drugs and I did all kinds of things. And, and yet when Jesus said, I love you and I believed him and accepted him into my heart, all I ever wanted to do was tell people about Jesus. Man, if every week we're being reminded that Jesus loves us and, and how wonderful it is to have him in our heart, what are we gonna be compelled to do on a weekly, on a daily basis to tell people about Jesus? If, 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 we, if we don't feel that compulsion, maybe there's something inside of us that doesn't realize how much Jesus has done for us, how much he's done for us. Multiplication happens best in community. Fruitfulness and multiplication happens best when we are spiritually healthy. Fruitfulness and multiplication happens best when we are actually sharing Jesus with others and we are more compelled, the studies show, to share people with others when we are confessing our sin one to another and being accountable to other people in our life. We're being transparent and we realize how awesome it is that Jesus has saved us. So here's the challenge I wanna put before you today. If you've received a Groundhog Day from Jesus, if you've received a do-over in some area of your life, if you've received a fresh start 
If you really screwed up yesterday and you woke up today and you said, man, I can't believe that Jesus still welcomes me into his family, if Jesus still welcomes me into his presence to worship him, if you receive that, that fresh start today, I wanna challenge you with something. Be fruitful and multiply. How do we do that? Happens best in community, best when we're spiritually healthy, studying the word, which should be done in community as well. Best when we are being accountable to one another. On your connection card, and if you wanna pull that out on your connection card, there's some things that go along with what I'm gonna say. Some steps to take that go along with what I'm gonna say today. And I wanna challenge you to do this. If you don't have this in your life already, if you have it in your life already, praise God. If you have a group of people around you where this is already happening, praise God. But I wanna ask you to do something very practical, and some of us need this more than others, especially within the positions we are in. I want you to find somebody, maybe even before you leave the church grounds today, one or two people, other people of the same sex is better, men together, women together, two or three of you, and make a covenant even to begin this week to connect once a week. Maybe you'll connect by phone. Maybe all you can do is connect by, by email, have lunch together or breakfast together. But, but find a couple people in your life that you can do community with and that you can confess your sins to one another, that you can pray for each other, and that you can study the Bible with. You can just maybe read a chapter of the Bible together and, and discuss it. And then pray like crazy that God will help you to reach lost people. Commun multiplying and being fruitful happens best in community, when we're spiritually healthy, and when we are confessing one to another. The best multiplication for the kingdom of God will happen if our church family commits all of us to as we get bigger, getting smaller, and saying, God, I wanna multiply the kingdom for you. I've gotten so many Groundhog Days, I can't even count them anymore. More than Bill Murray got in that movie. I've had Groundhog Days in areas of my life where I thought I was so good, I thought I was a good dad, and then God reminded me, man, you got a long way to go. I thought I was a good husband, and God reminded me, man, you got a long way to go, and God said, here's a, here's a fresh start. I've gotten Groundhog Days in, in things that are just in my heart and my mind that only me and Jesus know about. I've gotten Groundhog Days in so many areas, and maybe some of you are the same way. And because of that, I am so grateful. And Jesus says to me, don't you want someone else to experience that gratefulness and that joy that you have experienced? Go, be fruitful and multiply. I believe, folks, this will happen best if we do it in community, if we're accountable to one another, and if we are spiritually healthy through the study of God's word. Let us pray. Jesus, I pray for your blessing upon this church family. I pray for each and every person here. Lord, I pray that not one of us will leave here thinking that, that we cannot be loved, that we cannot get a fresh start in you. Lord, I thank you that, that, that all things are made new, that, that as, as 2 Corinthians says, that, that everyone can be a new creation in Jesus Christ. The old things are gone and the new has come. Jesus, I thank you for the picture that I see after the flood, that even though humanity is no longer perfect, you you still speak that blessing over them. You still empower them. You still give them their freedom of choice. It is in a way, to me at least, you saying, I still believe in you.
Lord, may each person in here know that you still believe in them. Lord, and as we receive your grace and as we receive your love, may we respond to your call to be fruitful and to multiply. And may the kingdom of God grow through this community. In your name, amen.